Welcome to the New Testament Fellowship Podcast. The Kingdom of Heaven series is focused on helping you grow your faith and also live out the realities of the Kingdom of God here on earth. I hope you enjoyed this message. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord Jesus, as you promised, we're here that you do what only you can do, strengthen us by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I believe that our hearts will deeply will be captured deeply by his love supernaturally in Jesus name when we read 1st John 3 we see different manifestations of Jesus so there are different manifestations of Jesus and we see that there was a manifestation of Jesus when the Bible says he was manifest to destroy the work of the enemy right What's the work of the enemy? Unrighteousness is to make a carnal mind that will interpret everything from the angle of carnality. So Jesus was manifest to destroy that. Jesus was also manifest. Still in that first John 3, we see that Jesus was manifest or he will be manifest again, right? What we shall be has not yet appeared. But when he appears, that appearance is a what? Is a manifestation in second thessalonians he said he will appear and destroy the enemy with the breath with his breath and with his appearing so another manifestation of jesus that will happen is when he comes back again he'll be manifest right then we also know that he was manifest to forgive our sins here in his love not that we love God, but that he loved us and he sent his son to die for us. That means his son was manifest in his coming so that we would have forgiveness of sins, right? So we know that all, every issue, the answer to every issue is a what? Is a manifestation of Jesus. There's the flesh answer. And there's the Jesus answer. The flesh answer is to try to figure it out and do something, in which case it will be, it will pacify the issue. It might not be a lasting answer. But Jesus can manifest himself as an answer. And he would once for all deal with the issue. Let's go to Matthew 18. And are we are we we're ready to roll now, right? Okay. That one I said is for us to just be getting ready to roll. And in the Bible, looking at the New Testament, we see three different kinds of man, right? You can tell me the first one. Okay. The natural, the natural man. Esther has told us the spiritual man. And the carnal man. Fantastic. I like the question. Let's see First Corinthians 3. God is good to us. God is good to us. First Corinthians 3. Paul says, I want to speak to you, brothers. Verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, could not speak. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people. Right? So Paul was speaking to brethren. So these brethren were not natural men. They were, 
They were not natural men, right? Because they were born again. But they were not spiritual men either. So there's now a middle position. This middle position is not an ideal position. Ideally, in Jesus, everything is either you are here or here. But based on the imperfection of our own experience, a middle position came out. So ideally, carnality is not God's way. It's not like he planned it, that you start from being a natural man, then you must go through a carnal man before you now go to spiritual. That's not God's way. God's will is you come from here and you come here. And when we hear the full gospel, that's what happens. But sometimes when we hear the gospel, sometimes we don't hear the full gospel. Sometimes we don't receive the full gospel. We might receive the light of righteousness enough to become the righteousness of God. We might not receive the light of sanctification accurately enough to, ex- to enter the, the experience of sanctification fully or as the case may be. So because of that, because Paul, we don't read that Paul had the process of carnality. We know that he went away for a couple of years and nobody, we didn't hear. He was in Arabia. Where did he say he was? But when he showed up, the guy was on fire from the day they saved him that we know. So it's not a necessity to be carnal. So we shouldn't keep a thought to say, well, I'm still in my season of carnality. Yeah, that's that's taking the grace of God and turning it on its head. So, however, in many of our experiences, many of our experiences, you know, in my own experience, you know, this, this is what you see. And then you start learning what it actually is to be a spiritual person, what that actually means. It says, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. So he says they are in Christ. However, their experience of Christ is small, is infantile. Their experience of Christ is meager. Then he goes on here to say that, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for you were not ready for it. So one of the ways that the carnal man is not ready. Is not re- is not ready for solid food, but for milk. So if you remember the battle in the battle that Gideon engaged in, and the reason why I'm mentioning this is that life is both a gift and a fight. Faith is a gift from God and is also a fight, the fight of faith. And to make progress, we actually fight to make progress because there's usually opposition. So progress is that you're pushed over the opposition and you gain a territory and then you continue. So the issue here is the soul of a man the soul of a man. When the soul is natural, that's the natural man. When it's carnal slash religious, or when it's spiritual, so God's goal is that the soul should be spiritual. Not just the spirit. The spirit is already spiritual. The spirit is his nature. But the soul to be captured by spirituality. Because that's a man that 
God reigns in, that that soul is now the kingdom of God. We see that fully demonstrated in the person of our Lord Jesus. And for us and believers, we're growing in that journey as lively stones. So it says, I fed you with milk. Now in that battle, if we remember what happened, how many people showed up for the battle? David, help us. 33,000, Abby? 33,000 people showed up for the battle. And Jesus, God, because it was the Lord's battle, and God, what was the first thing God said? Hmm. So, if you notice, Gideon's battle. Thank you, Gideon's battle. And if you notice, <laughs> so that God, they will not say God is partial. God clearly asked that by yourself, if you are afraid, go home. <laughs> if you are afraid, go home. Guess how many people went home? Twenty-three thousand went home. Is that not interesting? Twenty-three thousand people went home. That's if you are afraid. Go home. 23,000 went home. <laughs> hey, God is patient with us. So. I, don't, I don't think you understand. You want to start a company. You have friends. You, are talking. you understand? Okay, let me not illustrate too much. But 23 went home. So he made a distinction. This is God distincting. When God is calling out a people, to be with him so that they can be used of him. He makes distinctions, but he does it in a just way so that nobody can complain. And the first that happens is there's a first state, they move from natural men. There's a first test he administered, right? The test of fear. Or what's the opposite of fear? Of faith. That means, are you, do you feel like in this battle, I will lose. Does, are we eager to go into the battle or do I want to take? You can say, ah, this generation, some people can look at this generation, this generation, we have so much problems. The gospel is not. Now, are you the one that have been chosen for such a time as this? Or should we wait for another? Will you go home or will you get on the field? And so 23,000 went home. May we never be among these people in Jesus' name. And you know it's not just by mouth. It's by committing our lives to it because we see his love. Then, he had how many now? Then, he still said these people are too much for his work. (laughs) God is a very interesting God. God works in mysterious ways. It's his work, but he will use men. But it will be obvious that he's the one because he doesn't need too much of too much of man's uh, effort so this 10,000 he said he will administer another test he will administer another test what was the test 
They should go to the stream, Abby. And drink water. So, they went to the stream. I hope it's clear for anyone who hasn't read the story. What I'm saying, is it clear? What we're saying. So, they went to the stream to drink water. And some people bent down. That's how we used to drink in a... Yeah, in secondary school. You will see sparrow inside the bucket. You blow it. You are doing you. Look at you. You blow it away and you drink your thing. So some of us, we can't fall sick like that. Because our body is already used to. That's what they call the. We have gone through fire. It has. We are used to it. Okay. So all the ajebos. <laughs> so. And. Some, some of them went down like this to, to drink water like this. While some squatted and used their hand a bit to do this. Which ones were more classy? Okay, I'm not kidding. That's not the, that's not the point. That's not the point. But here's the point. The guys that went down like this, if they want to come and kill them, they will just kill them. They were careless. They were not sensitive. They just went to drink water like that. The guys that squatted, they still were aware of what was going on as they were drinking. What was the main distinction between this 10,000? The ones that drank like this, there were how many? 300. The ones that went down, hmm? 22,000, yes. Eh? 32, yeah. Ah, oh, I thought it's 32, actually. Uh-huh, because, yes, 32. So, the ones... Thank you, David. The ones that scooped with their hand, they were 300. The remaining that did this were, is the remaining. Uh-huh. You understand? 7,007, Abby? Okay, you get the gist. Now, how many... What was the issue here? How they drank. How they drank. The main issue is how they drank. How they drank. So, what separates many times carnality from spirituality is how we feed. Mm. Mm. How we how they drank. Remember, I'm talking from this scripture. I don't know why I went to that place, but it is well. It says, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. How they drank. Some people, they can't, the carnal mind cannot take the full word of God. They have to take, give him the word of God, then coat it with plenty of flesh. Some people now, if they come here and there's no lights, hmm? and there's no jazz band, it's not church. How, how since when the church become light? Lights are good. Abby? But that's not what defines church. Okay, we meet a believer. If the believer is not wearing Versace or suit, he's not a man of God. If he's not talking in a particular way. So, all I'm saying is, make no mistake, never say anybody that is a believer is not a believer because they're a believer. We are able, I don't even know. I'm not trying to say I'm the one that is spiritual. So, the way we drink, the way we drink, that means if you don't have a personal life with God, 
from where you drink from him. At some point, we'll deny him. We are still with him, but at some point, we'll deny him that he will not be able to do a lot of things through us because we are not going all the way with him. For the spiritual man, everything is God's. That's what he wants for all of us here. That's even what NTF is about. That's why sometimes we get intense, even though we also have fun. But <laughs> eh? Don't worry, we're still at it. We're still at it. So, the religious man likes the activities of the spirit. But sometimes can like the activities a little a little bit more than the God. <laughs> so imagine I like prayer more than God. So as I'm praying, God say, Oh yeah, stop. Go and gist with someone. I say no. Then see we squeeze your face. As though God cannot. But God can say, Oh yeah, you are gisting in the room. Go and chill with your siblings in the sitting room. You know, I want to pray. God say, I've heard you. Me that you're talking with. I say, go and just. So at that point, what are we going to do? I want to read the Bible. God say, no. Go and listen to somebody. Will I go with God? Or will I go with what's my own idea of religious activity? Will I be moved by the external or by the internal? Because when we become spiritual, we become satisfied with the God who is spirit. It's a very interesting life in the journey. So, this is not even the point for today. So, it says, as infants in Christ, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Hi, may God help us to be ready. For you were, it says, for you were not ready for it, and even now, you are not yet ready. <laughs> you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy, what causes jealousy is when I'm looking externally. This person has more, she has more hair than me. God, she has more hair than me. She has more hair than me. This is not, you know, this is not the kind of thing where there's no need to form spirit. At, when I realized this thing, I stopped. There's no need to form spiritual. Just be. And let God take you through the process. Because when he, when he changes you, you, you've changed. If you form it, anything that goes up comes down. But they say if you grow up, you will not come down. But if you grow up, you will come down. So, that's why we submit ourselves to his hand. In honesty, he will do the work. The work will happen even faster. Than if we hinder the work by actually forming spiritual. That's why they won't, it won't be authentic. It says, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are, you are not yet ready. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy, strife. Let me go. Among you, are you not of the flesh? Behaving only in a human way. So we see in the body of Christ and in church. Many times. Things pop up, strife and all of that. And it's because, one reason, immaturity. 
That's why our walk with God impacts our walk with men, right? So, let's go to Matthew 18, keeping this in view. So, in Matthew 18, 1, the disciples of Jesus, they asked Jesus. So, our goal, all I've mentioned is that three kinds of men in the New Testament, right? Right? <laughs> right? right. You know, you know that you're adding to this this thing, you know. Right. Yes, every single person. Okay. I know we've learned it from the way church is done now that you just sit in the crowd. Say nobody is seeing me. Abby, let them just let me let me observe. You know that's not it. the church of Christ is not where you observe. It's where you come with Christ. Where you come to fellowship, right? Uh-huh. So please, I'm saying all of this so that I know we have another culture where we come. So bring it out. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Hmm. Who is the greatest? So the matter here is the matter of what? Greatness. Greatness. <laughs> Who likes greatness? <laughs> yeah, we all like great man. That's why I mistakenly wrote great man here. Real great man. As I saw him, my brain just resets. Yeah, even me, I didn't know. So, greatness. More so, in this time of our lives, we're looking to the future and trying to see what? Trying to see greatness. Greatness. So, now, greatness. So, these disciples were interested in what? In greatness. And you would think that maybe Jesus would say, don't be interested in greatness. But he told them what real greatness was. What real greatness. So, what we're talking about today is the real greatness. You don't. The real greatness. So they say, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So they were asking not only human greatness. That means these guys were not, they were spiritually minded in a sense, small. That means they knew that there's greatness amongst natural man. So there's natural greatness. So let's, let's do it together. What, what are the evidences of natural greatness? Eh? Number one on billboard, eh? Money, network, president of a nation, net worth, power. No, but what is at the heart of natural greatness? Pride, mm-hmm, self. Okay, so meaning that once someone is able to assert themselves on the more people you can lord it over, influence, influencer. <laughs> so, however way you call it, it is not only the end result, but how you got there. Because God can, well, it's not only the, it's with the world, it's how. It says your leaders, the leaders lord it over them. It is how, it is the quest for that greatness and how that greatness is obtained. So, 
That's the worldly greatness. If we're not clear on what our vision is, we might be tempted to follow that route. In which case, there's only frustration on the way. Because the world at best might hail him. Have you? They will hail him for, for a bit, and then the world will move on. And then, the kind of selling of soul that it requires to sustain the world's accolade. You don't even want to know. Eh? What is goat again? Hmm. Interesting. That, that's a great statement. That, that goat is a great coinage. Okay. So, let's move on. And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless... So, Jesus deals with four things. See the way I'm talking. And we have a long way to go, but maybe we'll not reach anywhere. And that's fine. So, it's good as I'm talking like this, Abby. Slowly, slowly. So, maybe we'll, we'll spend two weeks on the... So, number one. What he deals with here is how, how to enter how to enter spiritual realm first. Because... Greatness, where we are going with all of this is that real greatness is the spiritual man. That's where we are going. That's the end. Real greatness is the spiritual man. And the great, this spiritual man is great. But this spiritual man realized that he is not great. That only God is great. That's the spiritual man. That spiritual man says with Jesus, there's no one that is good but God only. That statement of Jesus showed that he is great. Mm. Anyone that can join Jesus to say, in spirit and in truth, there is no one that is good, but God only. What's that scripture? Mark, I think. But God only. So, because the guy who came to meet Jesus called him good teacher. But Jesus was so emptied of himself that he had God to be his greatness. So greatness is by faith. We have God to be our greatness. The same way of salvation is the same way of greatness. The same way of sanctification is the same way of greatness. Greatness. We have Jesus, God, to become our greatness. This is what he's teaching here. But so the first thing Jesus addresses is how you even enter the realm of greatness, the realm of spirituality in the first place. You have to turn from being a natural man to first to even to even be able to recognize what greatness is. You have to be born again. You have to become like a little child. Then the next thing he deals with, let's just go read it as we deal with it. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That means it's not first he didn't first address your rank in the kingdom of heaven. He first addressed your entering there first. And the point is, if we don't even turn and become like the little child, so he's using the little child as his illustration for the sermon or for the teaching that is given them about greatness. And he says, the one that is great, you have to first be, you first have to be like this little child. Is he talking about the mind of the little child? No, he's talking about the heart of the little child. Because he says you should be 
You should be mature in mind, but infant in heart. 1 Corinthians 14, 21. So, it says we have to turn. That means you have to turn from being big. You know the story. Paul was called, Saul was called the what? The great one. And Paul is, the meaning of Paul is what? The little one. So, the one who was great in his own eyes became little. So, if we see a born-again Christian, the first thing you would see is that there's an element of humility in them. You can't be, that's, the born-again Christian cannot just say, we'll do anything. He has to know that the will of God is there. There's something called the will of God. The born-again Christian knows that. That there's something called the will of God that puts pressure on every aspect of our lives. So, we all know that. You have to turn to become like a child, else you can't enter. Then he goes to the next point. He deals now with rank in the kingdom. So, if you have not entered in that kingdom now, there is growth, there's greatness in the kingdom. But, it's unlike the way we see greatness in the world. Greatness in the world is to go up. Greatness in the kingdom is to go down. So sometimes people can think, sometimes someone can think, oh, when I come to Jesus, he will help me go up in the world. That's the carnal mind interpreting the gospel. You can be saved, though. Fully, you've saved, you've been in Jesus for as long as you now start relearning what Christianity is all about and what real greatness is. What real, what, what, the, what we've been called to as believers in Jesus Christ. Since whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, after talking about the person, the child, he now talks about the attitude of the child. What's the attitude of the child? The child follows. The child does not worry. The child listens to what is told. The child accepts what they say. Oh, come. They tell the child, this is what this thing is. The child accepts it. It doesn't query everything to find. The child accepts it. So he says, whoever, and remember humility is first a mind. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Pride is also first a mind. A proud mind will interpret everything in a skewed way. That's can, remember that the work of the enemy is what? Canality. Is to take the mind and make the mind a canal mind. What is canality? Is worldliness. What that means is that in the mind, I have my own view of enjoyment. I have my own view of suffering. I have my own view of what godliness. I have my own view. In fact, the, in the world, the gospel will be skewed with a view. When you really look at it, it can be the same wordings, but the meaning, the end is what you will know. It can arrive finally at how I will be glorified, not at how God will be glorified. The other one, if it ends at I, it's not the gospel. In the spirit of it. The words can be the same. The doctrine can be the same. But in the spirit, in the reality of it, is not actually... Because Peter said the gospel is to bring you to God. First Peter 3.18 That he took our place on righteous for the righteous that we may be brought to God. The end goal is that we know him. Is that he finds access, full access in our lives. So... That's not so. Any doctrine that doesn't lead us to godliness is ultimately not the gospel of our Lord Jesus because it's the news by which we come to know God and be like Him. So he says, Whoever humbles himself 
like this child. Now, there's some dimensions in God that are related to particular persons of God. When we talk humility, who is that related to? The Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Because the Lord Jesus does not do anything by himself. He actually reveals the Father. The Holy Spirit actually reveals the Son. So, that's the character. The character of Jesus. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. That even though he was in the form of God, he didn't think that to be... He didn't identify as that when he came to die. So, you get the gist. So, the second point here is humility. So, one big prayer. God, help me to humble myself. Whoever receives one of such... So, that's the second one, right? Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Right? So, in greatness, greatness (laughs) is not how... I'm able to, how they serve me is how I'm able to serve. That's true greatness. Not how they serve me. Not how I can gather service to myself. It's how I am able to serve. Not the way I want to, but the way he says I serve. Because I can still say I will serve, but I'll serve only on my own terms. That's still not service. This is what he's saying. So many of so many of us, we had dreams. We had plans. I'm sure we all know, many of us here, because God has been dealing with it. Hmm. Me, I didn't, I'll be anywhere else but here now that I am in. <laughs> However, as you are journeying in him, he must apprehend you. You realize that you have many gifts, but there's more. But the harvest is what? Plentiful, and the laborers are few. But the laborers are few. Whoever receives one, so the third point is this. How are we to operate in that kingdom? With thanksgiving. That means I enter that of because of what he has done. I'm not trying to pray to break through to the spiritual realm. You have already broken through by the blood of Jesus. The prayer just helps you to come into that experience personally as you engage. So through the blood of Christ, we have a nearness. And that says, for he himself is our peace. This part talks about what he has done through his blood, right? Yes. This part, for he himself is our peace. What does it talk about? It talks about who he is. Not just what he has done. Who he is right now, who he is right now, is that he is on the throne. is the king of glory on the throne. That means who he is, is that by the virtue of what he has done, he now has a new stature for us. Because Paul here trying to tell people that you have peace. He did not just tell them, be at peace now. You know what Paul was telling them to, to, tell, to let them be at peace? He said, hey guys, he's our peace. Your peace is up there. He, as he is right now, is our peace. He didn't say, let's try to sort things down so everybody will calm down. He said, no, 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 now he's our peace. Appropriate that peace now. Don't say I'm walking on him. No, he's our peace now. 
as he is now. Is he at peace? Is he at rest? That's what it means that he sat. He sat. He's at rest. He has finished the work. So now that he's, he's at rest, I should see that I'm at rest too. Because he's my rest. So here he's talking about the position of Jesus on the throne. He's dealing, this throne particularly deals with our hearts. The Bible says for the joy. When he was talking about the race of Jesus, he says for the joy that was set before him. That means when Jesus was running the race, where was his heart? At the end, at the throne in heaven, his heart for the joy. The reason why you will go through something and it seems like it's not getting to you, that your heart is not in that thing. Your heart is, your heart has gone. You are even saying this body, when will you catch up? This, when will this lifestyle, let it catch up to where your revelation is. That's where your heart is. Until heaven captures our emotions on our hearts, our hearts, that's what the love of God, or the love of God, the truth of God comes to our mind, the love of God comes to our hearts. He captures, you are overwhelmed and overcome by his love. That love, joy, those are expressions of I say for the joy that was said before. That's how he endured the cross. So what's the secret of we persevering? Is keeping our hearts, our eyes in heaven. Heaven rejoices at once. You can see there's joy in heaven. There's love. There's grace. So you are totally sold out there. It's like you're walking from another atmosphere entirely. So you have peace there. So people will be wondering, why are you calm? That's where you are. You're seated there. It's coming from there. It's amazing. That's what gives you the platform for ministry. The doctrine that impacts our ministering so much is the throne. Because the throne, see what ministry is. Ministry is that Jesus could do, give us fantastic ministry. He gave us New Testament ministry. How? When he was exalted, he sent the Spirit, right? When he sat on the throne, he sent the Spirit. That means he first went through things so that he will gain something. So that he will be able to give that thing he gained freely. So ministry is when you gain something and you can give that thing freely, right? So ministry is about giving gifts, Okay, if someone is a philanthropist, you must have something to give now. You must be able to give something. Abby, philanthropist, you are going about doing good. You must be able to give something. So, in the same way, every minister stands in that office, gifts, able to give. So, how are we able to give? Have received when we have received that we can give more so give freely when we have received freely because we receive freely from him well if you that's why if you say that if you feel like i work too hard you say so i'll give you like that that's why you see that charity generosity is not tied to what you have someone can have so much and be stingy someone else might not have much but because of the mentality of that I receive freely. I'm only a steward. He's able to give. That's like the Macedonian church. In 1 Corinthians 8. So he says, For he himself is our peace. Who has made. So here it talks about the throne. This part talks about the cross. This part talks about the blood. 
It says, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility? So he's talking about in his flesh. That means in his body, right? That means when Jesus was there on the cross, in his body, he did two things. Who has made us both one? That means one thing that the cross did was to unify. At the cross, all of us like this were on the cross. He unified us. He made us one on the cross. But also, he also did something. All of us here now, there's Ibu, Yoruba, Shakiri, Nupe, Bagi, eh? Bayas. So there, but as we're here, we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about that we're one in Christ. So he made us one in Christ. Right? We're brethren, we're brothers and sisters. Because he took away, he made a new humanity, right? Broken down in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility. Because that understanding, some say I'm from this place, you are from this place. When when push comes to shove, I'll go and meet my people, you go and meet your people. That thing is to die. We are our people. There's no, there's no, there's no way. If you go and we are here because we are one, literally. He has removed that dividing wall. It's a revelation. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances. Meaning that there's a way that. Please tell me again. Where are you from? Is it Okay. <laughs> now. There's a way things are done in Akwaibom. That's different from the way things are done in Kaba. So, but if we come together now, forget about Akwaibom or forget about Kaba, then we're able to relate with a new OS called Christ. So you see that by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances, that he might create in himself, in himself, he might create in himself, one new man in the place of the two, making, so making peace. So, the point to be made here is that the throne is a place where we're united. Because even though we had a body, Shakiri body or American body, when you enter the throne, you have a new body. And that body now is a spiritual body. So, and now our spirits are new, so we're united in that. And so the throne, the throne is also, when someone sits on the throne, is also a place where authority is. So, this humility of the cross is not a humility that does not have, that is not bold. It's not a humility that is not bold, but it's a humility that is confident. Only that that confidence is in God, not in self. That's why Paul will say, boasting in the Lord. What confidence is in God, not in self? But you have confidence. You have assurance. And so, the next thing that we look at is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit. 
So all the things I've actually been saying is the Holy Spirit. Remember that the throne, the throne is a mixture of the cross and the blood. Because if you look at Jesus that has been raised, is the Jesus that was crucified that has been raised. Abby, is the Jesus that shed his blood that has been raised. So the wisdom of the throne is like someone that has, is like a general that, has, that was a sergeant. That was a, I don't know if you get what I mean, that, that has gone through that. When you see him as a general, he understands. All this that he understands. He can talk with the sergeant. He can say, when you're going, go this way, go this way. Because he's been there. He's been there. He's not just someone that they just brought and put as a general. In that case, he cannot relate. He can't relate with those guys. But because on the throne, he didn't just arrive at the throne. That's why he came to go through what we've gone through. Tested at, at all points, right? So that he can, he can understand our weakness. So he understands that much more than anyone. So he's not ignorant of anything anyone has gone through. No one can go as too low than where Christ went to. But nobody has suffered to the point of Christ Jesus. And they can't praise you so high than the praises they give him. He saw one day, people praise him, and the next day they say crucified. He has seen it all. So, he's our peace. He's our peace. Jesus is good. He's our rest. He's our final bus stop. And he came... And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. Mm-hmm. For through him, we both have access in one spirit, right? To the Father. So we're talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit now. Mm-hmm. And for today, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Well, good, Abby. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to minister all these things. The Holy Spirit is the one who ministers the cross. Because cross is dying to self. It's humility. And it's the Holy Spirit who does. Holy Spirit will show... You know, humility is not forming humility. I can form humble. That's not humility. Humility is that when the Holy Spirit shows you who you really are, that you are only somebody held by God. That truly God is everything. You, You are just someone held by God. So, you will now come to yourself that that's, ah, that's who I am. So, you actually see that it doesn't make sense to be proud. That's, you actually have no reason. You can be like, oh, yeah, well, I'm fine. I should be proud. You realize they created you that way. And if you want to adjust your body to be that way, that's shameful. Why do you need to adjust your body to be that way? If you say, well, I'm intelligent, that's how I should be proud. You say, is it your intelligence? If your intelligence is foolishness. <laughs> but if it's my intelligence, is my own. I just, you are only a steward. So you have no reason. If it's that you have possession. Eh, so if you really, if it's that you have gift, you are skilled at something. Mm, so you find out that for every, when we really see the truth, humility is the only reasonable thing that will follow suit. So it's not like trying to form, that one is still, Still pride disguised in humility. So you see disguised in the posture of humility. So you see that he ministers the cross. He ministers forgiveness also. So you see the ministry of the Holy Spirit is very important because it makes things real, right? Let's read John 16, 8 to look at the ministry of the Spirit. 
Why are we looking at this in connection to this? It is, this is how we arrive at truth. And it is truth, when we are sold out to truth, that we are actually spiritual people. When our mind is entirely sold out to truth, and when our, because then, when our mind has been beat, has been reshaped by truth, when lie is entering and passing through, because the mind is now like a membrane, like a filter, when lie is passing through, right? It will block the lie, or at least it will interrupt the lie. Everything in the soul will be saying, lie is passing. Quack, 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 quack. You know, it's like prison when they press the bell. Quack, quack, quack. There's lie, there's lie. There will just be, do you get what I mean? And when truth enters, they'll be rejoicing. New truth has come. So, is it just me? Why are we, why are we so, why, why are we? Are you sure we need to sleep? We can end now. Eh? No, as in, are you guys sure? Smile now. This is so that our joy will be complete too. Eh? <laughs> Alright, God is good. And when he comes, Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit. This is what he said. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. This is talking particularly about the sin of unbelief because you see what he said here. And unbelief it's primarily with the world, but is also with Christian people as a principle, as a, yeah, let's just read. So when you see the ministry of the Spirit, how can you recognize the ministry of the Spirit? These three things from this text. The ministry of the Spirit confronts unrighteousness. Religiosity, just being carnal, is unrighteousness. That means it's not real. What's real is righteousness. Is is Christ that is real. So the the Holy Spirit brings that ministry of Christ. You can know anywhere you see Christ, really, the Holy Spirit is at work. Nobody else can bring that to bear but the Holy Spirit. So he says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So these three things. Let's now look at them. He says, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Meaning that when you see the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work, it will never make a believer comfortable in non-belief. A believer will not be comfortable in non-belief. And even a non-believer, he will obstruct that unbeliever's unbelief. That's why the unbeliever might not want the believer around. Or might be uncomfortable because the believer will say one thing now. He'll just say, you're judging me, you're judging me, you're judging me. Because the believer is coming with light. And so it will convict the world. of So the ministry of the Spirit, there is conviction of unbelief. What does conviction mean? It makes the conscience aware that there is more of God that you are not pursuing. There is more of Christ. That Christ is better than these things. That Christ is better. Then, it says concerning righteousness. So, anywhere you, we also see the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we also see the ministry of righteousness. 
What is righteousness? It's the nature of God manifested. Because God is righteous. And when he manifests that righteous, is righteousness. So the ministry of the Spirit also administers righteousness. Why I'm saying this is that when believers, when New Testament saints are ministering, they are ministering by the ministry of the Spirit. Thus, our ministry is to let the ministry of the Holy Spirit come out. Our own ministry is to let the ministry of the Holy Spirit come through us. I don't know if you get what I'm We have ministry, but our ministry is to let His ministry flow through us. So, anywhere we are in right, in right standing in ministry, what will flow, flow out is that it will not make sense to not believe God and to not pursue Jesus. Because why will you not pursue Jesus? There's nothing greater than He. Some people don't see the glory of Jesus. But Paul says that I may know Him. Paul says, I count everything as dung for the surpassing value. So the issue is, do we see glory in the man Jesus? You know, it's a spiritual thing. It's not like in the streets of gold, in the gathering people to talk about Jesus. It's not in the any, in the lifting holy hands to worship with many people to Jesus. No, Jesus himself. Do you actually see glory in the man, in God, in Jesus? It's a, it's a very strange thing where Jesus is manifest to our hearts. And we actually treasure him. It's a strange thing to the natural man. It's like manna. It's like, what are you talking about? Isn't it? As in, what are you? Jesus. That's the name self. Does something. To, does Jesus. He is the satisfaction of the soul. He himself is Christ. 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 But because they believe not in me, the focus is not the belief, is in me, Jesus. Jesus. Concerning righteousness, because I go. See, it's still him. <laughs> you can look at this thing and righteousness will stand out. Belief will stand out. Sin will stand out. Judgment will stand out. But what's to stand out? Jesus. Everything is just a disposition to him. Jesus. If we lose, lost this, then we've lost the spirit of the gospel, the essence. It's him concerning righteousness. Because I go, Jesus speaking, to the Father. Meaning, people will not, because he was leaving earth, the earthly realm where they could see him, and he's ascending to the Father to see it. To become our righteousness before the Father. The Holy Spirit needs to come to make that real. So this reality of Jesus I'm talking about, is the Holy Spirit that now makes him real to the heart. So the only thing that keeps anyone from sin that keeps is the manifestation of Jesus. That keeps is only Jesus that can. You've learned how to become a doctor for ten years, then you leave it and go to one village to go and preach. Only Jesus, only the only the love of Jesus, which is the manifestation of Jesus in the heart, that can do that kind of thing. Only Jesus. Manifested by the Holy Spirit. You can't ultimately give the full reason why. You can say it, but for someone to understand, they have to have that kind of experience to be able to relate. So, is Jesus. For the spiritual man, Jesus becomes everything. Jesus. Christ. 
is wonderful. He's having manner to eat that someone does not know of. Because he will get all the glory. Because you now explain that, oh, what is it? You now say Jesus. You now say, what do you mean? Then you now start explaining the gospel. But it's not just the explanation of the gospel. It's Jesus. So someone can learn the explanation of the gospel, can learn the message of the gospel. But the gospel is the gospel of The reason Jesus, who is alive, who died, but is not alive, he has the keys of death and Hades. He has received the name above every other name, such that things in heaven under, you get the gist, Jesus. Jesus is wonderful. And you will see, where's the third one? Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. So physically, we're not seeing him. From the manifestation of Jesus. So imagine if my religion is driven by outward things. I want to see things. I will, at best, I will be struggling inside this place, between this place. I will be very carnal. Because I will say, show us a sign. Show us a sign. This is scripture I said. I said, no, God, show me a sign. Is Jesus not enough sign? So the issue is that for the Holy Spirit to manifest Jesus in our hearts. When we touch this place, every when you preach Jesus, everything will come from there. You can use any words. You can go to Genesis 1.1. Preach Jesus. You can go to Revelation. Jesus. That's once he is manifest in the heart. Once he is manifest in the heart. And we can talk about him so well, but if he is not manifest in the heart, it will not be as if he was manifest in the heart. I don't know which word to use. Concerning judgment, because what? Who judged the ruler of this world? Jesus. Because the ruler of this world is. So Christianity is simply what? Jesus. Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Christian. Is the one who has Christ in him. Is the one who is in communion with Jesus. It's not about sometimes the enemy wants to put the focus on our works, on our accomplishment, ministry, whatever, man. Jesus. He is the author and the, the full stretch is him. So the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. Is to Minister the throne to us. That this Jesus, he's living. He's the king on the throne right now. Is that he's the one who shed his blood for the forgiveness of sins of many. Is that he's the one who brought us, who became sin, took us on himself and died on the cross. And so, I think we'll just do the word and then we'll end today. The ministry of the word. Now, this Holy Spirit, all the things we've been doing since is the ministry of the word, right? Because, and it's true, the Holy, if there's anything you have seen of Jesus, it is because the Holy Spirit, using these truths that we're talking about, to unveil our hearts to the reality of Jesus. So the ministry of the word is the Holy Spirit. Because it says, when the Spirit comes, to guide you into all truth. That means where is guiding you to is truth. 
And how will he do that? He will declare. So he will also declare the word. So when we're talking about the word, we'll just stop with the word. When we're talking about the word, we'll address two things. Number one, what is the word? Number two, what is the function of the word? What is the word and what is the function of the word? And then we'll conclude them. Is anyone confused so far? Help me respond, please. Hmm? Is anyone confused? Are you sure? Okay. So, what is the word and what is... Let me quickly mention this. What is the word? We know that the word was God, right? But we're going to see how to receive the word. You know, you can have water in well, but you might not have the rope. Who used to fetch water from well? Who likes sending that thing down? I like the process of sending it down more than drawing it. <laughs> yes. You send it down. Then you begin like this. Let the thing scoop. Abby? Also in school, then when we wanted to eat Gary, some people always had spoon in their pockets. Dangerous. Eh? ID card. And, hey God, secondary school. When the thing is about to, and it's not people that went to Ajabo school. Dining strikers. You bend, you bend the, you bend the plates. Cause there's a lot of water. Abby? Divine, you know, I say divine. Desire, you know this thing. <laughs> Let me tell you one. Then, so they will just move in quickly. Then they will slow down. In the middle, so that the thing will, so there's one guy that is skillful. He will hold it. So just before he comes out, he'll shake it. <laughs> this guy, you know it. He'll shake it. Hey! Why everybody will be quiet like they don't know what's going on though? And once you take it, take your own and go. There's no, you can't say I want to retake. What am I trying to explain now? Fantastic. Receiving the word. So you need to have a big spoon that you wish to what? Scoop the word. You need to have a big he sent down something big too. Because the main issue is receiving. He's done all things. He's put the well within us. But it's to receive. Remember, it's the soul that will become spiritual. When the Bible talks about the spirit of wisdom, small s, you caught it, Abby. When it talks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that means something of the spirit, a character of the spirit, will swallow the soul. One character of the spirit is wisdom, is revelation. The spirit knows things because everything done in Jesus is kept in him. He can swallow the soul without knowingness. And to the point where you start to see things. You're reading the Bible. You're just seeing that's the spirit of wisdom at work in you. It will help you know him. The spirit of power. You just, that's why you see when he says the small s. Those are workings of the Holy Spirit in the soul. When he talks about the seven spirits of God, is that the soul is captured by these things of these workings of the Holy Spirit. That from there you'll be functioning beyond the normal. You will not be functioning like the religious man or the natural man. Because there's 
There's glory, exactly, that has captured the soul. So the soul, there's a speed. For someone that is functioning, see Daniel, for someone that is functioning in the spirit of wisdom, you know how things work. You just learnt it now, then you teach the other people that taught you the thing. <laughs> because you see into the principle inside. You understand it better than your teachers because of the spirit of excellence. The spirit that is at work. That's the inheritance from the Holy Spirit. Those are the things that as we are fellowshipping with him, they will impart into our soul. The soul, that's, if you wake up, you are like that. That's, it's not a prep, you don't have to prepare for what is you. That in that spirit has become one with your soul. That's you. That's why it's possible that anytime you do, you just see something at work. It's because you are ready that thing. You've given yourself to that thing that's given itself to you. The Holy Spirit has worked in. You have to end. So, remember, the word is what we used to draw from the Spirit, right? It's when we hear his words. Fellowshipping with him, hearing his word. So that means we have to receive his word as a couple of things. I'll just mention seven. And then that'll be it. Then what is the function of the word? Worship and warfare. When we hear the word and believe the word and act on the word, that's worship. That's worship. It says God is seeking those to worship him in spirit and truth, right? That's worship. It's about truth. Worship is not just lifting hands. It's the reason why I'm lifting the hands. Am I lifting hands because I say, wow, his majesty. So I can worship his, his what? Majesty. I see that God is good. So I can praise him for his goodness. So it's, because, it's the reason why I'm doing that. So consecration, because lifting holy hands is consecration. He's like, God, I'm giving my hands to you now. I'm lifting my hands to you. That's, I'm surrendering my hands. Okay. Do with my hands as you please. I can do like this. Do like this. Do you get it? That's consecration. And that flows out of revelation. It's because I see that you're glorious. So I want to touch that majesty. So I'm lifting holy hands. Sometimes you see the weight of him. You just prostrate. Say, God. I have a picture in my spirit, man, that you are so much. So I have to prostrate. You are a king. I have to prostrate. Sometimes you kneel down before him. Sometimes all of that is what spontaneously happens as you see it in your spirit, man. Sometimes you shout because he's wonderful. So sometimes tears just come down because he's amazing. What is the word? What is it? So, two functions of the word I've mentioned. That. Let me read one place. First Peter 2. So, it's worship and it's warfare. Now, warfare is when we release the word. So, when the word is stored up in your heart, it says the sword of the spirit is the what? The word of God is attack. So, when the enemy comes, you release the word that is in your heart. How shall the man keep? If you hide the word in your heart. So, how did Jesus rebuke the enemy? In Mark 4. It is written. It is written. You release the word. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Like newborn infants, long for the... So how do we put away all of these things? First, by longing for the truth. 
You won't focus on behavior. You focus on truth. Truth. It is truth that spills into that. That by it you may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Salvation is that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Then you grow in that. So, this place, okay, let me read to four. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. I want you to see this. Peter knows that, you know, they say on this rock, right? Peter has this revelation of stone because he knows that Christ is the cornerstone, right? He's the chief cornerstone. So, and he's alive. So, he's talking about a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen. Chosen. So, the church, of course, we won't do church today, but the church is the chosen of God, the sanctified of God, because he has put us as immovable, as stones, in his building. Rejected by men, but inside of God, chosen and precious, by yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. What does that mean? The soul is being built up as a spiritual house, the spiritual man. As a spirit, because what does the spiritual man do? He offers sacrifices to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What are spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God? That means you offer in your soul, there are some gifts. You offer the gifts. Say, God, I have the gift of um, speaking. I offer this speaking to you as a spiritual sacrifice. God, I have money. I will, from my soul, offer this money to you. And with my offering to it, I will baptize the money. You know what Jesus said? When he said that, by this, you will win, not Paul, First Timothy, when he said that, use the money to reap friends to eternal life. Have you read that scripture? First Timothy, just note it down, because of time. First Timothy 6, 17. By, we can offer spiritual sacrifices. That means, when the Holy Spirit is the reason why we're offering something, you'll be rewarded for it. And that means, but beyond the reward is the joy. You have become a holy priesthood. That's why I said, the, as we grow in spirituality, is loss. You'll be, you will be losing self. Because what's happening is that you offer the self. That's why Paul says, I count everything as done for the surpassing value. You see, he lost many things just because he willingly, not because they took it from him. Jesus said, he didn't take my life from him. I gave it. That's spirituality. It's a loving service. We become love slaves of God. So, what's the word? Psalm 109. Number one. Let's rest through this quickly. Should we push through? God is raising us. Hallelujah. You have to know God is raising you. Yes. Individually, every single person here. And it's because he has what? Number one, we have to receive the word as law. 
I'm talking about what is the word of God. We have to receive the word of God is law. You have to receive the word as law. What is law? Law means that something that that's it. Gravity here is gravity in US. Law is the principle, is a universal principle. So the Bible in the Old Testament, we know that he gave moral decalogue, right? Ten commandments, law. But in the New Testament, we know there's a new law. It's the law of life. The law of the spirit of life, right? I set us free. I'll put my laws in their hearts. So the word law, don't think about the Old Testament here. Just think about the fact that it's a definite thing. So if you see, you know, some, some might not receive the word of God as law. So because of that, they can't receive from the word of God. If you tell them a scripture, they'll be like, yeah, I'll bring another scripture too. Receive, this is, this, this is what it is. It doesn't change. We receive the word as law. So, when we receive the word as law, we're able to benefit from... Because the word is the communication of the reality of God. That's the ministry of the word. Without the ministry of the word, we'll not be able to experience the ministry of the cross, of the blood, of the throne, of the Holy Spirit, as we should. Because the Holy Spirit, in his own ministry, employs the ministry of the word. This is why we preach. This is why there's teaching. This is why he ordained this thing. How shall they hear except they be sent a preacher, Right? Blessed are those whose way is blameless. Who walk in the what? In the law of the Lord. That means the only way to blameless is what? So if you don't take the word of God as law, we can't, you can't get to blamelessness. Because you always excuse, word of God will say something. You say, well, there's another way. That another way is where crookedness will come in from. You're confused? Go ahead. Yes, in this context, yes. Guiltless is justification. Blameless is above reproach. That means blameless in this context, as I'm speaking, is walking to what you have attained. Walking in the degree of light you have attained. That's blameless. We grow in that to the degree of light you've attained. That's also Philippians 3. What's in? Okay. That's clear, Abby. When he says someone should be above reproach, he doesn't blameless. That's the same to the degree of light you have attained. Hmm. Who walk in the law of the Lord, meaning that they receive the word of God as law. Remember what Paul said in um, Timothy. Help us check that. Thessalonians 2.13. 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He says that you guys receive the word of God, not as the word of men. You know, someone can receive, as I'm preaching, as long you can hear the word of God. Even the one that's read from scripture, you'd be like, yeah, and it's the way he interpreted it. Mm, it's the word of men. Let's even see you're reading the Bible, you're saying, it's a translation. Okay, you can even read the original translation, you'd be like, mm, it's men that wrote it. <laughs> I'm just saying, the carnal mind will, have, will find a way of dodging from the word of God. And if you dodge the word of God, you dodge the reality. You dodge the love of God. Because the love of God will come through the word of God. It will come through the... This is... This is people say, I know God. I know the gospel. I know the love of God. But every day, you're not in the consciousness. Why? You've abandoned the word. There's a reason why they put the word there. It's to bridge the gap. That's how you used to scoop the things out of your mouth. So you know it's in the head. And you've experienced it before one day you're worshipping. Or you always know it's in the past. But now you abandon the word for one week. Three days now. You've never opened the word. God knows why it says, feast on the word every day. 
Don't let it says don't let this thing depart from your mouth even. Not even every day, every second. Proclaim the word, hear the word, believe the word, converse the word. Post as I hear the word, after I will go home, you know what you do again? You still think about the word. Man shall not live. Thank you. It says, and we also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, <laughs> the word of God. That they receive from men, but is the word of God. Meaning, you receive the word as law. Let's go ahead. We have to also receive the word as... So when you're saying the word is profiting because... Messi, are you okay? It's profiting because you know that that's it. Every time, when me and David were going back and forth, quack, 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 meditating on scripture, once someone can show scripture proof, the argument is solved. Everybody will say, ah. But that's not the case when, when, I, when I'm talking with someone that is not a believer. You can show 100 scripture. You say, well, I don't think that that's it. That's, that's, I say, this is scripture. I say, well, I don't think I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. He said, well, in my own experience, Sha, it will not become a conversation of experience. Now, we all did it. I did it too. But we have to learn to receive the word as law. Now, the next thing is to receive the word. Let's go back to Psalm 119. Receive the word as testimonies. We have to receive the word as testimonies. I know our time is I'll just quickly rush this. We're investing in our lives. Eh? The word as testimonies. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. What is a testimony? A testimony is self-disclosure. Is someone testifying of who he is? If I testify of who great man is, and great man tells me who he is, which one is higher? Him. His testimony of himself is higher. In John 5, he speaks about the testimony of God. Jesus was speaking. So, the word of God is... The, the, the Bible, the word of God is God testifying of who he is. People say, I'm worshipping God. What is that God? No. <laughs> if it's not... If it's not the word... Hmm. Muhammad can say, our scriptures testify this way. No. Let's hear from this word of God. From this, let's hear from the word of God. That's what God testifies of himself. You must, you must stay with the Bible. You must stay with, please tell anybody you must stay with the Bible. The Bible is amazing. Not religiously, but it's because you are staying with Christ. So, it's a self-disclosure. Now, watch this. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies. So, imagine you are the accountant who keep God's money. Mm, you keep his testimony. He's his own, no? You now keep his testimony for him. Who seek him with their whole heart. That means we can't seek him with our whole heart. If someone is on fire, they are seeking the Lord with their whole heart. You, you know the secret? They stay, they abide in the word of God. They abide in, in the word of God. Both the word of God, the revealed truth of the Bible, and the word of prophecy that comes and the word, the promptings that comes from the Holy Spirit. The word that comes providentially. They abide in the word of God. That's because it's the word of God that sanctifies the heart. Sanctify them by thy truth, right? So, and that word of God is the testimony of God of himself. 
my sheep, they hear my voice. That's what cleanses our hearts. When we hear, you fall in love with someone as you are hearing them every time, as you are hearing them. They will not enter your heart. Because those words are forming images, pictures. They will not. Are you hearing it based on the word of God? Don't use this to say, I don't want to fall in love with this. I will not. Okay, it is well. <laughs> I'll fall in love with you too. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, right? Who seek him. So, to seek God is to hear him. It's to hear him. Now, number three. We must receive the word. As precepts. As precepts. We must receive the word as precepts. Precepts. What are precepts? Please, Joel, what are precepts? Uh-huh. Who can help me? Mercy, what are precepts? What are precepts? Yeah? Fantastic. The ways of God. Mm-hmm. Somebody else will tell me something. Thank you so much for that. That's why I jumped through it because it spoke about the ways there. It's still precepts. Ah ah, so I can just that man is he has revelation, spiritual revelation. The way before the way is Abby. So, or let me just say way. What is say? What is said is so key, and I'll explain why. Mm -hmm. Patterns. Mm. Daily loading us with what? The message of God. Message. Th thank you for that benefit. The sure messes. Um, patterns, right? I can also say methods, right? I can say methods. Now, the precepts, the, we must receive the word of God as his precepts. Meaning that the method that we're supposed to use to do everything in life is the word of God. And I must receive the word of God as the method. Because I can say, ah, the word of God is promise, but it's not the method. I will come up with the method. But no, we will not come up with the method. The word of the method is what is in the word of God. I will receive the so we ask God, God, how what was the method we used to run this marriage? What was the method that we used to run this job, this business? The word of God. You search the scriptures. He says. You have commanded, where are we? Who also do not, okay. You have commanded your precepts to be kept. You know why I love this one so much? What is this precept? They're still narrowing it. What is God's way? Covenant. Covenant. God's precept is covenant. It's covenant. So you see, why I love what Rafi said so much is that covenant and covenants. In the Old Testament, you see covenants. Did I say in the Old Testament? Well, in the Old Testament experience, but in the New Testament scriptures, in Romans 9.4, it says to Israel were the covenants. And what they mean is that they'll have covenants with Abraham, Jacob, Abi, Moses, David, right? All these covenants was to retreat the main covenant, right? In the New Covenant, <laughs> or in the New Testament, we see the ultimate covenant, right? 
the new covenant, which manifested fully the reality of God, the precept of God. So God is a covenant lover. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's a covenant lover. He's a, and this precept, this covenant is what? The covenant of what? Righteousness. All these covenants are manifestations of righteousness. God is right in that if you walk in his covenants, he cannot fail. What is in the covenant we're in now? What is the way we walk in it? Faith. That means every time you believe God on his word, he must perform. He will be unrighteous to not perform and he is righteous. So faith is the way. In this present precepts. That's why I say precepts because all those other ones was ways of righteousness. Innocence, conscience, human government, all of that, all dispensations. But we've come to grace. And right now is the covenant in the blood of Jesus that gives us real perfect righteousness. And that imputed righteousness through faith, we live our entire lives through that righteousness. Not only for justification for everything else, for joy, for life, for every day, for relaxing. We believe him per second. So what did he say here? He says, who you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. That means I should stay in faith, always believing him, always believing him. He has done all things well. That's how I walk. So I must receive the word of God. That means if I hear the word of God, what should be my response first? It should not be to first memorize you should first be to believe. You should be to first eat the word. You know, eating, hearing the word and eating the word. Like I always say that if you study, what you're doing is you're preparing something to eat. Then after you've prepared the meal, what should you do? You eat. If not, you'll still be hungry. Don't even give other people to feed, but you'll be hungry. What the, what's that eating? Believing it and acting upon it. Believing the word of God. That means seeing yourself as what it says. So if the word of God says you are this, that's it. I'm that. So I must take out time in prayer to be saying, I'm that. God, I thank you because I'm that. God, I praise you because I'm that. I'll tell you, great man, do you know I'm this? Because of the word of Lord, word of God says so. You don't, do you know I'm this? Because of the word of God says so. I must meditate upon it, mutter it, put it in my mouth. Number four, I have to receive the word as what? Statutes. Statutes. Please tell your neighbor statutes. I must receive the word as statutes. Statutes. What are statutes? Someone should help me. Alex, what are statutes? Okay, laws. Okay. Governing principles. Mm -hmm. Standards. Standards. Uh, why did the standards come together? Two of you. So governing principles, standards. So it's actually still close to laws. Governing principle, standards. But the reason why we use standards is because again from two people at the same time. Okay, I'm just kidding. But it's also because while we're walking in this precept, so you are walking in faith. In the righteousness, which is God's present precept. I'm walking in faith also. But my faith has some impurity. I'm not resting fully on the grace of God. You are resting fully. We're both sleeping on bed. But 
Someone is more cautious. The other person just cancel all the other plans. Plan B, plan C. Someone has plan B and C. In case the word of God did not work. I have plan B, I have plan C. Someone else remove every plan. And say, yeah, it will work. It must work. And if it doesn't work, we'll die here. But it will work. Now, you would, when you rest on that, you that you are fully rested on the word of God, what has happened? You are, you are working in a standard in the precept that is higher. You've entered his rest. Thank you. God bless you. You've entered his rest. And you know what that is? That's why that scripture. I actually put it down to. Let's quickly read it. We read it in what? 30 seconds. Hebrews 4, 11. No, no, no. Because it's. We'll stop at the word. Ah! The church. We'll stop at the word of God. Hebrews 4, 11. We're stopping at the word now. We're just getting to number 7. Fear not. Let us therefore strive. You know what our striving is? I'll look away from myself. I'll look away from myself. Because everything around us presents you. Look for yourself. Fend for yourself. Protect yourself. Protect your own heart. You know when people start saying, you know even self-help stuff will tell you, hmm, this is your going through. You have to protect yourself. Oh. Even church people, you have to protect yourself. Oh. When you believe these things, they bring division. When Christ is enough. Ah, look at the issue that you are going through. You just lost your mom. You better protect yourself. You better go and see a therapist. For what? There's Christ. I'm just saying, I'm not saying, of course, why am I even explaining? There's Christ. She <laughs> gets a woman realize, why am I even? There's Christ and He's sufficient. Let us therefore strive to enter the rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So, so that, so what brings disobedience when we don't rest fully? That's the root of disobedience, unbelief. When I don't fully rest on His word. So the word says, will finish, it will perfect me. Do I believe? If I believe, then I praise him. I'm not seeing perfection. I praise him because the word has said he will perfect me. I praise him. And I believe. I'm not just praising him to just do concepts. I believe him. Let us, what does he say next? For the word of God. See, so how do we enter the rest? The word of God. That's why I started from 11. It says, for the, for the word of God. Is living and active. That means the ministry of the word is powerful. The word of God is living and active. So the more we hear the word, you know what happens? Cross ministers to us because what is cross? You are separating flesh from spirit. Because cross is exchange. So that means you are becoming more conscious of who you are in Christ. More than, more than flesh. I am becoming less conscious of myself in the flesh. More conscious of Christ. Who I am in Christ. That's what the word of God. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper. So the word of God goes in. When nothing else can go. Someone can advise me, but the word of God goes in. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of the soul and spirit. Joint and marrow. Discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So, the word of God, the more I continue with the word of God, what's happening is that you'll be purifying, purifying me. And then, the standard of me walking in his precepts will be increasing. Let's see what the psalmist said. Fantastic. Uh-uh, you're walking with me. See what the psalmist said. 
Let me go to five now. He says, oh, that my ways. I love this. It's a prayer. It's a longing. You know the standard? This standard is holiness, right? This holiness. Like I posted today, it's not just imparted. It's not just imputed. It's imparted. Meaning that holiness is not just in Christ. What I mean is, it's not just... Righteousness is imputed. Christ is our righteousness. So you don't increase righteousness. It's your righteousness from day one to the end. You can say, I want to be more righteous. Christ is the righteousness. The one who got born again today and the one who is born again for 20 years has the same righteousness called Jesus Christ. We don't increase in righteousness. It's very interesting. Once and for all. But in holiness, what happens is that Jesus is still the holiness. But the more I come into the knowledge and the experience of that righteousness, I am made holy. That's why I say, be holy as he is holy. Be perfect. So, and that perfection is not only a state, it's a longing. You can never get to a place you say, I'm perfect. No. Everywhere you get to, you long. So what you actually get to is that every time, the more you grow in him, the more you long for him. So it's a prayer. It says, oh, that my ways may be steadfast. Yes. Ah, that one is good. I'll flip it over though. The more you belong to... Hmm. Can you belong to him more? But it is well. It is well. Thank you. I think I'll stick with your own. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. So, you know another thing we call the word of God and life? For instance, you can read, if you say to this mountain, be that moved. Because we've not yet moved mountain, you can bring the scripture down. Meanwhile, you don't know that scripture is waiting for you in the future. When we get the new body, we say this mountain be moving. And it will be moving. Let the word of God be true. Let our experience be a lie. If the word of God said it, that's it. If not, our experience will not be able to have a vision to match up to. You cap everything at your experience. You bring everything down to... So, for instance, that's sometimes where someone has a light on justification. Any other scripture, you reduce it down to justification. There are other things in scripture, but everything, it must be that remnant that you've understood. You shrivel everything down to be talking about that. Can be talking... <laughs> Meanwhile... We should let the word of God be the word of God so that we can grow. So that we can, it can pull us. Because the word of God is always above our personal experiences. So, all that I may, just what I didn't want to do, I've done it again. But glory be to the Lord. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The word as, I'll just do this three at the same time. The word as, um, Commandment. Commandment. The word as rules. And the word as promises. Let's just do this quickly. What is the word as commandment? Fantastic. Quote it down. These are quotable quotes. Yeah, it's amazing quotes. It helps you remember. Thank you. It says, word as commandment. 
That means I must be able to receive the word. So what I mean, this word as statutes, the application, word as promises. This word as statutes, it means that we should always long for the word. That's long for what the word says. Not just for the experience. I just long for the word. If you hear that word is going on somewhere, you can just go and just sit down. Longing for the word. Longing for the word. Receiving word as commandments. Commandments is his prompting. Is what he says to us. What he says to us. Because he commands us like a soldier. They can say, soldier, come, go and do this task. Right? That's what, he's, what he reveals to us per time. What he says to us. We should receive the word as commandments. That means he is the king. He's the authority. He speaks his word. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Receiving his word as rules. Rules is what governs. It is judgment. Rules is also judgment. It is also judgment. It is what governs the soul. It is what binds the conscience. When we receive his word as the principle, as rules is what keeps the governing of the soul. So it gives boundaries. So it gives boundaries to the soul. That's, the soul might want to think this way. But say, ah, you tell the soul, so don't go that way. So the word of God can create a road. To say, when you are thinking, go like this. You can think this one, but don't think this one. You can think this. So the word of God is the, is the rules that govern our mind. Then we receive the word as promises. Um, well done, guys. <laughs> well done. Let's pray. Uh, yeah. 119.45. Help us go to 45. I hope this was helpful though. So that this is just helping us in our fetching, how we fetch the word of God, how we receive. Okay, 41 actually. 41. 41. It says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. So, the way his steadfast love will come is according to, Then I shall have an answer for him who taunts me. So, when we receive the word of God as his promise, we receive his love. Because when someone promises something, when you think about if someone promised to say to you, every time you're hungry, you can always walk into our restaurant to eat. <laughs> Same here. Now, imagine you have that promise. When you're hungry, you already have food. Because by the prom, you already know that that restaurant is open 24-7. So, you don't have to have the food in your hand or in your stomach every time. No, it's when you need it. The promise is given. It's promised so that when you need it, it's there. So, every time you want to eat, you know where the promise is sure. All the promises are yes in Christ. Just go. Go and eat. And there's no need to rush because you can always. Yes. So no need to try to pack every, you know, manner. Pack for what you need for time. So God's promises, we have his promises. And we can always trust him and receive. So right now, all the things we believe God for, let's take it to him in prayer. Let's ask all our prayer points. Let's just ask that the Lord. That the Lord indeed, in his mercy, in his goodness, that he will answer our heart desires. Let's thank him for all that he has done.
first. Let's thank him because of his goodness, his love, his kindness. Thank you for listening. If you have been blessed by today's message, please like, share, comment, and subscribe to the channel.